Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober. The podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. We have a strange one today because I'm without Kate. Uh, she's not very well, so I'm here to interview Jolene Park by myself. Um, so um, Jolene, if you don't know already, is doing uh, the workshop with us, which we're really excited about. It's on the 13th of April in Brighton. Uh, we've just released five tickets, actually. It was sold out, so um, there are now five tickets available. Uh, so Jolene is a great friend of ours, a sober sister from America, who's visiting the UK at the moment. Um, she is a coach, nutritionist, and the creator of the greyareadrinkers.com. Is that right? Is that the... That's right. Yeah, that's right. So um, uh, we're delighted. I say we, but I'm all on my own. (laughs) I'm delighted to talk to you today, Jolene, about um, your decision to go alcohol free and uh, what that's meant for you. So um, you arrived in London yesterday. Is that right? I've been here about 24 hours. It's it's great to be back and great to talk with you. Sorry to miss Kate on this call, but but we'll all see each other in a couple of weeks. So, um, this is the second trip you've done over to the UK in in the last year or so, isn't it? So you've got sort of family history, is that right, with Scotland? Is that the case? I do, I do. So my great-great-grandfather is Scottish, and, and I've been coming to England. Um, well, I came here after college in 1993. I'll date myself. <laughs> and, um, and absolutely loved it. I, I was on a student work visa. And um, ever since then, just try and come back, you know, when I can. And, and now being part of this alcohol-free global community, mm. um, it's nice to come back and connect with people like you and Kate and many others and, and do some work while I'm here. So, yeah, I was here last summer. We all met up, and, and I'm back again this spring. And um, and I think, well, we'll talk more about kind of gray area drinking, but I think you've, you've found that it, that kind of model and talking about that has a lot of relevance in the UK too which uh which I think is very true that um you know the way that we drink that kind of binge and and um starve way of drinking um not talking about alcoholism I think that that really kind of resonates with the British drinker absolutely absolutely well you know and you and Kate's stories are are very similar and I know you both identify um, as well as is kind of that that gray area of of drinking, not necessarily um, you know the label of of an end stage um, you know extreme kind of rock bottom, and um, that's certainly how how I identify. And like you say, there you know many 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 others do, and and I've worked with many here in the UK, and I've gotten to know um, you know people like you and Kate, and it's it's become a real like I said, it's a real global community. There's a lot of resonance mm. to to this. Yeah, so this will this will go out next week, but you've got your event with Club Soda. Which date's that? The... I am teaching a workshop uh, tomorrow in, okay. in London for Club Soda. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, people can't go to that one, but uh, you, they can come to ours. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come to ours in Brighton, April 13th. Yeah. Okay, so can you tell us a little bit about your decision to go alcohol-free? So a little bit about your journey to start with, please. Sure. 
So I I quit for the final and last time, um, December 14th, 2014. And I say for the final time because the, I had many stops and restarts over the years. Um, but that has been that was my final stop. And and, um, you know, the decision that brought me there was because of having so many stops and restarts. And so over the years, um, you know, I, I drank like like many people around me um, drink and um but, you know, just had such an internal kind of struggle um, within my own, you know, internal conversation of that. I can't keep drinking like this. I don't want to keep drinking like this. Um, a lot of it, you know, I, I feel so sick the next morning. Um, I, you know, I just I don't tolerate a lot of alcohol very well. But um, but I love the initial feeling of a couple glasses of wine and just that that feeling it's kind of you know for me it was like there's this warm honey moving through my body of, mm. of taking away the anxiety of the day and and a big part of my story is anxiety I've always identified as um, you know I was an anxious kid and um, and you know have struggled with anxiety and even just kind of the downshifting you know that the work hard and, and, um, a bit of a perfectionist and, and, you know, there'd be days where it's not, it's not even that it was, I'd say that it was bad days, but it's just coming down from after, um, putting out so much energy and, and work focus. And then it's just like, I just want to, you know, shut my brain off mm. and found that wine would really do that. Um, and so, initially there were those positive effects, but on the back end, always, 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 um, you know, I never felt well and always um, was drinking more than, than I initially said that I wanted to. And so I would stop. And I, I stopped a handful of times for a couple of weeks, a couple of months. One time I stopped for 18 months. And and then I think, why am I doing that? Like, why am I being so restrictive? I don't, you know, I don't think I need to be so all or nothing. Um, and so I'd go back and, ha you know, but very quickly be back to drinking exactly where I was and even more. And it was it just as time went on, um, it just can it, it escalated. And so um, it's been four and a half years now, the end of um, 2014, where I just because of all of that back and forth, I was just like, this is it. And and really had um, kind of a come to Jesus conversation with myself of, you know, I know what I'm signing up for here because I had stopped so many times. And I went through all the scenarios of like, what if, you know, there's just the, the tragic, horrific, unexpected phone call in the middle of the night and, um, you know, going on a romantic holiday with a boyfriend who at the time I wasn't dating. But, you know, I went through all those things. It's like, am I not going to drink at this situation or this situation? And I just mentally would, you know, have this conversation. It's like, no, no, mm. you know, this is it. And um and I made that decision. I was very resolute um, and haven't haven't looked back. It doesn't mean that um, there haven't been hard times, but I haven't drank for the last four and a half years. And, and it feels really, really good. That's really interesting that there was that kind of mental conversation, because I, I know for a lot of people, that's the biggest fear, isn't it? When you're like, well, how am I going to do a wedding, you know, sober? And how am I going? What happens when I finally take that trip to Paris, you know? Um, and actually dealing with that front on and going, well, I'm not going to do it kind of answers those questions, I suppose, rather than just kind of waiting it out and, and having that doubt. So that's actually quite a good tip for people just to be like, you know, have all those conversations with yourself and, and make a decision that it's not going to happen. And then you don't have to think about it anymore. 
Yeah. And I mean, the reality is those, you know, weddings happen, um, birthdays happen, hard weeks happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the Christmas season, it will always happen <laughs> the summer season, you know, so these things are, they're part of life. And so it's not like we stop drinking and then all of a sudden there isn't going to be the winter holiday with Christmas or there won't be a funeral or there won't be a work conference where there's alcohol, like those things will continue. Yeah. And so it was, it was just this real kind of, um, truth serum for myself conversation of like, you know, they're going to happen. They're going to be part of my life. And am I really not going to drink? And it was like, no, I'm done. I'm done because it never changed for me. Mm. I, I would stop and not drink through things. And then I would start drinking again and drink to them. And it was just, it just continued like nothing changed, but those events come and go. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it's like, no, I can get through them without alcohol is, is what I, I really came to realize not saying it's easy, especially in the early days, but the more we do it and the more we build up those experiences, um, going through different situations and different events, um, it does become easier. Yeah. And so when you started out, I mean, you, you were a nutritionist, right? A nutritional coach. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess you had kind of the the understanding in terms of, of your how it affected your body, which a lot of people don't have. But how did you approach uh, stopping? Did you get help? Did you get support from networks or did you just do it on your own? I, I did it on my own in, mm-hmm. in the early days. So in 2014, 2015, there certainly wasn't the online presence of yeah. kind of the alcohol free community the way there is today. Um, and, you know, I say often that, you know, I, I drank alone and I quit alone. And what I mean by that is, you know, it was many nights just by, I, I lived alone. I, you know, um, traveled a lot for work. And so it was very easy to just open a bottle of wine at home and say, I'm going to have a glass. And then I'd finish off the whole bottle, mm-hmm. um, you know, or traveling, go out. And, you know, as soon as I'd have that one glass, I was like, oh, screw it. I'll have another glass. I'll have another glass. So I did a lot, you know, of course I was, you know, out with friends and, and would drink socially as well. But, but a lot of it was just that, oh, you know, to just kind of downshift and, and have a glass and another glass, another glass. And then when I made the decision to stop, um, no, I didn't go to 12 step, um, to a 12 step group. I, I didn't kind of reach out to an official community. And again, the communities that are out there today, you know, like Holly Whitaker's online, um, hip sorority school, it, it, it wasn't created at that point. Um, Annie Grace's program, Annie Grace was just writing her book when I quit. So there, there weren't a lot of these, um, you know, online platforms to tap into. I wish I would have had them. Um, but I, yeah, just, you know, quit on my own and, and pulled from what I knew, which was the nutritional side of it. Mm -hmm. And I had studied in functional medicine in my training um, about neurotransmitters. And I I knew I was anxious. um, And and I had done some neurotransmitter quizzes and and things that I had had studied professionally and knew that my GABA was low. And so GABA, when GABA is low, we can feel more anxious. So when I quit drinking, I really pulled in some of those tools um, with supplements and herbs, um, because I, I knew I was using wine. And Initially, I had that, you know, calming effect um, that felt like GABA, but it's a false positive. So I knew I had to substitute and bring in something, something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, did herbs and, and some relaxation practices and was, was very consistent with those in the early days of not drinking. 
So that's what we, what uh, the focus of the workshop will be is looking at those kind of early days and nutritional um, practices and also kind of you're a somatics yoga teacher. Is that right as well? well you have, I am. Yeah. I am. Yeah. So in 2000, goodness, 17, I think, six, 2000, yeah, 17. I, um, I did a six month, um, training and I'd already done a yoga training previous to that, but this one was, um, six months, very focused on the somatic side of things. And soma means body. And so as a nutritionist, I, I'm just very interested in everything kind of physiology, biochemistry, you know, with the body and the neuroscience today tells us that it's about the bottom up. So when the body feels calm and the body's regulated and 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 balanced, then our our mind, our mood, our brain is more regulated and balanced. And so with the somatic yoga, um it it was really the next step for me of still working with the body about now how do we when we um start to understand like these the fight, the flee and the freeze response, those stress responses how do we actually, you know, they're in the body, like our muscles clench, our heart rate starts to goes up, go up, our breath rate switches um, and becomes more, um, you know, it's that shortened breath. Yeah. And so how do we regulate that and work with that? And so that yoga training is is what what taught me that. And and it was very it's been very impactful for me, for myself. And I share it with clients, too. Mm. Yeah, because I think that's something that people I mean, certainly I used alcohol to the stress um not knowing that it was having the opposite effect um someone asked me today actually you know what's the biggest um thing about being a sober mum and I said patience because you know that that thing of being constantly in controlling something and constantly you know um reliant upon something to balance my stress um was so detrimental to me as a parent because you know you have to let that out somewhere um, and I was so stressed all of the time and I'm so l- much less stressed now. Um, but it still is a factor. And um, I guess that's why sort of yoga practices are such a key part of recovery, because it's teaching you about breath, teaching you about being present. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to to experience some of that with you. Yeah. You know, and one thing I want to say about that, too, is um you you can do the somatic yoga and not necessarily have to go through like a, a warrior downward dog, you know, mm. flow sequence. So um, so much of it is about working with the breath. And again, you don't have to be in a yoga pose to do that. So we can, you know, be sitting in this workshop, which we will in a couple of weeks. And and I'll share some of those those breath techniques. And, and we talk about like being in your body. Um, but it's like, how do you actually do that? And that's what some of these, what these practices are about. What, you know, we'll hear just being able to sit in the discomfort. And so intellectually, that that sounds good. Mm. But how do you actually put that into practice? And so that's what um, the somatic yoga is. It's it's about some very practical practices to work with your body. And you can be in a yoga pose, but you don't have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be sitting, you can be going for a walk. And so it's, um, so I teach what those, those practical resources are. And then, you know, some people don't like yoga, which is fine. Um, mm-hmm. but you can incorporate them in, in whatever you're doing, wherever you are. Mm. And for you, what's the biggest kind of area you've noticed in your personal growth and wellness since you stopped drinking? 
You know, I think it really is this this area of like I call it the your zone of resilience, and and it just gets bigger and bigger about um, that ability to pause. Where it used to be so much more of a knee jerk for me, or the reaction. I don't feel good. I I immediately want to jump out of myself and do something to change that, which was wine. Mm. Um, and the somatic practice has has been very helpful with that. Of of in a really practical way, how to tolerate discomfort because life is uncomfortable. And um, so I think that's, that's been the biggest, the, the somatic work has, has really um, been a shift for me. And I didn't know that or really learn that until um, it was two years after I stopped drinking yeah. when I started bringing that in. Mm-hmm. And so can you explain a little bit um, if people don't know um, sort of the phrase the gray area drinking can you explain a little bit where that comes from and, and what it means to you and also um if people haven't seen your ted talk if you could uh, explain what the uh, the acronym is nourish isn't it was it sure nurture? yeah yeah. So I also do a podcast um, and my co-host is Aiden Donnelly Raleigh. She's in New York City. And um, our podcast is called Edit, Editing Our Drinking and Our Lives. And um, together we talk a lot about the gray area and Aiden has written a lot about it. She she herself did a year without wine in 2012 and then went back to drinking. Um, very similar to my story. And, um, and Kate kind of like, and I is actually. So we both did a, a year and then went back and then came back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and I think it's it's actually a very common characteristic of gray area drinking. Mm. Um, you know, one of the big characteristics of kind of this, you know, where it's um, it, it's not necessarily this extreme, excessive rock bottom. Everything falls apart. Um, you know, there's physical things like um cirrhosis of the liver, you know, just Mm. this is extreme, extreme stuff. Um, But also not like this every now and again drinker who might have a drink, let's say to toast New Year's Eve in January and then hasn't had a drink since. Or, you know, maybe like went to a wedding then in February and had, you know, one other drink and stopped at one drink. And so those two extremes, most people I know aren't in those extremes where it's this excessive rock bottom or it's every now and again. But most people are between those two extremes. And and it, it, traditionally, we've kind of talked about like, oh, you can either handle alcohol and or you're this alcoholic. And what we haven't talked about is what's in between that, which is the gray area. And so Aiden and I talk talk a lot about that. And again, like you and Kate, um, you know, many, many people have those similar stories. And um, then in my TED talk about gray area drinking, uh, talked about this along with the neurotransmitters, um, the GABA, the serotonin, the dopamine, and how how that plays in. You know that a lot of people will say they drink to relax, which could be low GABA. A lot of people will say, um, you know, they drink to connect, which is um, the dopamine, mm-hmm. or you know, the serotonin if we're just feeling more depressed or that kind of thing. So it's like kind of understanding what's depleted, what's deficient in our in our bodies. And then no shame, no blame. Um, you know, nobody lives in this perfect homostasis, but just because of modern life, things get depleted. We need to refuel. We need to replenish. And then how do we do that? And so what I, um, took then in my TED talk was I used the nourish acronym. So as a nutritionist, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's kind of, you know, a common word where I was talking about how to nourish ourselves with food. But for me, yes, it's food and it's other things. 
And so the acronym stands for N is notice nature, O, observe your breath, U, unite with others, R, replenish with food, I, initiate movement, S, sit in stillness, and H, harness creativity. And it just starts to encapsulate, um, you know, it's hard to, to go through it all. We'll go, we'll go much deeper in our workshop on yeah. the 13th. But, um, but, you know, on the TED stage in 15 minutes, I have to, to sum it up really quickly. But, but basically, it's, it's this idea of, you know, eating right and exercise are great things. Absolutely. We want to move our body. We want to eat good food. Um, but they're not the only things. And it's also, you know, who are the people that we're surrounding ourselves with? How do they nourish us? What are we doing to relax? Um, and you know, a lot of us just haven't had any modeling or had any kind of options beyond we eat food or we drink alcohol to relax. And, and, and if we're navigating, you know, taking those out, kind of renegotiating and navigating that, what do you now bring in? What are things that can help us relax? What do we do for fun? Um, what's our spiritual nourishment? Uh, you know, our work and our purpose and, and um, how do we emotionally kind of feed ourselves? So I look at kind of that big picture, and um, and that's the work that I do with clients and the training, the the workshops and things that I do. And and that was what I summarized really quickly um, on that TED stage. Oh, but that TED talk right was absolutely um, fundamental for me because I, you know, because as I said, you know, I had a, a year of sobriety, um, and Kate and I have talked about this before that, you know, we there was a, a massive element of white knuckling it through that, you know, it was just like, right, um, I know this isn't good for me, I need to stop. Um, but none of that, the foundation or the structure or the scaffolding, as, as Kate would say, the sober scaffolding was in place. And um, that acronym really kind of summed it up for me in, in the fact of, right, yes, you know, or nature, it is important to sort of have that um connection with something bigger than than you and harness creativity like yes well like, what am i going to do with my time uh, with all this time that i'm not drinking you know and i um and it's it's a brilliant uh, i highly recommend the the ted talk to people if they haven't seen it already well thank you thank um, you and so for you what's in your sober toolkit if you're um you know to kind of keep you well and to keep you nourished on a day-to-day -day basis you know, it, it change it changes for me. Um, I, I'm in my fifth year now of of not drinking, and and it it does change depending on kind of the season and what's going on in my life. And um, it, you know, early on, not drinking is very different than than five years of of not drinking. So um, so right now, it's it's not you know what I was doing at the beginning, but I can tell you, um, I. I I know you sent me some questions before and I was thinking about this, but mm. um, I would say, you know, the top thing for me is, is my people. Um, and that that's in two forms. I mean, you know, the, the first is just my own practitioners and, you know, I have a coach and kind of my people who, um, you know, that I can go to that can, can kind of put some fuel back in me in different levels, you know, mentally and physically. And um, so it, it's important to me, you know, my practitioners, different healers that, that I work with. Um, I'm here in London. I, I have a, a kind of a body worker who does acupressure 
um, he's great. And I have, have an appointment. I'm, I'm going later this afternoon. So it's mm. like, you know, e- even when I travel, like I kind of have my people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then also my people, you know, just personally and who, who I choose to spend a lot of time with and, and, you know, my good friends and, and, and family. And, um, so I, and that was a big thing of one of my whys of wanting to quit drinking was just connection and relationships. And so I've been, been very conscious of that all the way through. Mm-hmm. So my people, my practitioners are, are a top thing for my are sober. There's some people toolkit. that you've moved um, away from, you know, there's some things that just didn't work through sobriety. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, There are certainly personal relationships that that some just aren't there that were there five years ago. Um, And, uh, you know, much of that has been some of just my decision of like what I'm saying of kind of being really conscious about who do I want to spend spend my time with? Yeah. 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 It's it's actually a self. I mean, that's about self-care. I mean, it's about being having enough clarity to understand that some things are quite toxic and and quite empty you know and then when when you take a glass of wine away you're like oh okay I don't, actually don't need this in my life um so it's not a negative thing I think people are very worried that those sort of moving away from relationships would be a very negative thing but actually it's very um a very caring thing to do to yourself because you're just like no that's not that's not helping me um, well, and relationships have really opened up for me yeah. too. You, you know, like I never would have met you and Kate, mm. um, and just so many people in in this whole alcohol-free community. I've and met Aiden. so many people. Yeah. Aiden, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, Aiden and I. You know, I've met so many people online, but then we've actually, you know, met in person. And mm. and you and I are a good example of that. So, yeah. so my world has really opened up with relationships. Um, but you know, it's, and I say all the time with kind of this, this sober sister community, it's like, oh my gosh, like the, you know, if we wouldn't have quit, like we have so many similarities, like you're my person, but we wouldn't have found each other if we all didn't make this mutual decision to not drink. Yeah. So, so that would be my top thing. Um, you know, another thing that, that I started actually right after my Ted talk was knitting and I, I just, I love to knit. Um, so it's, it's really a top, um, and it's, it's calming to me. Mm. There's just something about the, the knit stitch over and over and over and over. It's that rhythmic, um, stitch and, and I love it. I actually, I was knitting a little bit before you and I got on this call. Um, and I, I knit on the plane. Um, so it's just a way of, for me, it helps, it just helps kind of ground me. It helps calm me. Um, when I'm crossing time zones or just, you know, I, I can always use a little grounding and calming anywhere, anytime. So I love knitting. Yeah. Well, um, my, my grandma was a, a great knitter. She, um, sort of struggled with her mental health. And, um, and I often see, I often think that, um, cause where we live, there's quite a lot of, um, older people cause we live by the sea. It's quite a nice place to retire to. And I often actually look at them and just think, you know, I used to laugh at you cause you know, old people, um but you've got it you know you've got it going on I mean you see the kind of the old people that go for their swim every day you know you see them they go for their long walks um they sit and knit they read the paper you know that calm of life of just slowing things down that you know as a, a young professional we're so you know quick all the time and speeding through everything and now we're realizing that actually what we all need to do is slow down and be mindful and you know enjoy these things um tactile things making things so 
Yeah. And, you know, there's uh, this is something I love talking about, too, and we'll talk about it a lot more in the workshop. But, you know, what you named, they end in ING. So you said, you know, they're reading and swimming and walking or knitting. They Mm -hmm. all they're active things. But what they do is it's like when somebody goes for a run, they'll talk about they get in that runner's zone. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people will say, like, they go fishing or they're gardening or they're knitting again, all end in ING. It's active. It's an active verb. But it allows our mind to get into that single focused attention, which when we drink alcohol, it allows us to kind of come down into that single. It it shuts everything else out, which is what often we're going for. Mm. Um, But there's these and that's that harnessing creativity. And so, you know, painting, writing, um, they they're active, like you're doing something, but it's it's a really necessary nutrient. And it's sometimes it's, um, you know, when I talk with clients of like, what do you do for fun? It's not always easy to immediately answer mm-hmm. um, to it's like you know, people will say, well, I drink, but to really develop that hobby. And you're right. When, when we look at people as they age, people who have hobbies, this is kind of my unscientific observation, but they tend to take less medication and age better and mm-hmm. age slower. Yes, broccoli is important. Yes, different foods are important, but hobbies um, for overall kind of longevity and, and our health, mental and physical, um, you don't have to knit, <laughs> but but just something, you know, for, um, taking pictures, photography, anything like it's that hobby is a really crucial crucial nutrient. Yeah, and I and I and I definitely when I first stopped drinking, I didn't have any hobbies. You know, I was completely mm-hmm. lost. It was just like I don't I don't I don't know. I stopped dancing when I was fourteen. You know. I stopped singing, I stopped um, colouring when I was a kid, you know, all those things were kind of left behind and it's it's taken quite a lot of time for me to be like, you know, what do what do I like? What do I like doing? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's brilliant, you know, it's and much more nourishing for for my kids too, you know, because it's like, well, let's do things, let's I don't know, I want to learn to um oh, what's it called? Um uh, not canoeing, but uh, paddle boarding when you stand oh, yeah. up. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's my new sort of, because I'm opposite the sea. So I see people out doing things all the time. Right. So, you're, yeah. And you're so lucky you're by the water. And and that's how I, I encourage. Um, I, I like to look at this as adding things in for myself, for clients, uh, you know, and I'm working with others that it's it's to turn to reframe that that it's deprivation or punishment or can't have. And it's like it really opens up this whole exciting, um, you know, options and opportunities of what do I like and what would be fun. And, you know, some people like yoga, some people hate it. It's totally, you know, that's fine. But it's like the the exploration of what do you like and how do you know you like it by how you feel? Does it make an impact? Does it change your state? Because again, when we drink, when we eat sugar, it makes, there's an impact that happens. It's changing us, but not necessarily in a healthy way. And so it's now we get to kind of have fun and be like, be a little bit of a detective, you know, what is out there that we can add in that, makes this impact on our physiology and and it it can be fun as opposed to deprivation. Mm. And I think that's the thing that, you know, we're not taught in schools or we're not educated about is this, this is having a, you know, a physiological effect on us. It's not just something in your head. I mean, it actually changes how you feel to be doing physical activity or to, to be having fun, you know, so it's, it's good science. It's not just, 
talk, you know. Right, right. And I always say this is where the rubber meets the road with these different wellness practices. Like I'm looking out the window right now. It's a beautiful sunny day in London. And uh, when we finish, I'm going outside. I can't wait. And I mean, I love the sunshine. I love the water, you know, the the ocean, not that there's an ocean in London. (laughs) But, um, but, you know, that's that nature piece. And, um, and I feel good, you know, when I go out into into the bright sun. And so it's it's noticing that, you know, noticing what makes you feel good. And and just because, you know, going outside makes me feel good doesn't mean that's what everybody listening should do. But it's it's about getting curious in your own life of, you know, what are these things that that can, that are also, you know, have a very healthy component. And you start kind of making that list and, and making that menu of nutrients for yourself. Some of it's food. Hmm. But a lot of it is other things as well. Okay, so we're going to have to wrap up soon. So uh, we always finish with uh, your tip of the day and your reason to love sober. So do you have a tip of the day for people that are listening about being sober curious or being (laughs) sober and happy or I don't know, could be not so related at all? (laughs) Well, I would say, you know, my wellness tip is that little things done consistently make the biggest difference. So it doesn't have to be this big radical shift and, you know, a a big um, rigid way of eating or or something like that. But just one little thing and no more than three. So one to three things um, of your focus, you know, any day or during the week. And, And it can be as simple as just like, um, that you you have a longer exhale than an inhale. So a couple times a day, just stop, and that starts to downshift your parasympathetic nervous system. So maybe you inhale for a count of four, and then you exhale for a count of eight. You can do it anywhere, anytime, maybe do it three times a day. So something like that, it sounds simple, but mm-hmm. if you do it consistently, it's huge. Um, just staying hydrated. Just you know, pick one or two things that are doable. You can do anywhere, anytime. Um, cause again, it's, it's the consistency that, that makes the biggest difference. And, and I would say with, you know, loving being sober, I just, if there's ever a time to be sober and awake in history, this is it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, there's so much going on, um, just in the world, in, in our own lives and, um, to just be awake and, and sober for that. I, I think it's really, really important and so much good comes in. Um, sometimes, you know, that we don't even have to, to make happen. It's just, we meet these new people and these new experiences happen and these new, it's like, I didn't even kind of know about this practice. Like somatic yoga is a great example, but it came in because, you know, I stopped drinking. And so it's really surprising what actually opens up as opposed to closes down by choosing to not drink alcohol. Yeah, I think that's something that's, uh, you know, so hard for people who are kind of questioning or, or, or lost in drinking or, or just, you know, it's it's their day to day habit to kind of to grasp. But I, you know, I was talking with someone because I'm starting my coaching training. I was talking with my kind of practice client this morning and she'd put a post on Instagram about being in the now and someone had contacted her and given her a free kind of um uh, career um, training because she was sober and she liked what she said and there's just that sort of thing of like making connections and, and it just happens all the time where you just sort of go oh okay and you learn something new and something clicks and um, it's incredible and that that is that thing that we have taken away something that makes our lives mundane and um, habitual and we're open to 
to possibility, I guess. Which is... Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, how I'd like to close with that, too, is, is by adding these things in, it, it's also ironically what helps when the bad stuff happens, because bad things do happen. And we have hard days. We have horrific, you know, things. But by, by feeling it, it's like we're putting these deposits then in our energy bank account, so to speak, our resilience bank account. Instead of coming up on it just on dry fumes, the irony is these are the things that help us get through and weather the hard times because not drinking doesn't guarantee and it's not a protection against, you know, other pieces, but, but we've been, you know, filling in. And then I just think it's, we have a buffer to go through the stuff that scared us and and that does come up and that is hard. Mm, So true. Okay, well, we're going to have to close now. So thanks so much, Jolene, for coming on. Um, If you're immediately concerned about your drinking, then do reach out to your GP or to uh, a sober community. Uh, She Recovers, Club Soda, Soberistas, or you can contact Kate and I at Love Sober. Um, For Jolene, um, if you want to give your details, so on Instagram and and Facebook, etc., Yep, you can find me on Instagram, um, Jolene Park, and, and my handle is healthy underscore discoveries. And then you can go to grayareadrinkers.com. I have a membership community called Nourish, where it's for former gray area drinkers for kind of that next step. So, you know, we've stopped drinking, but but um, now what of the support around everything that I've talked about, the nutrition, the emotional side, um, the financial side, and, um, you know, intuition and, and just those different pieces that now we want to fill up. And I bring in a guest speaker every month. I teach a virtual class. And then there's a great uh, community on Facebook that's really encouraging, uplifting, like-minded people who have also quit drinking. So that information is there on the website along with I do a coach training where I train other coaches and healthcare practitioners who also want to work with gray area drinkers. And so that's all on the website. Great. Okay, well, I look forward to seeing you uh, on the 13th and enjoy your sunny day in London. Thank you. Great talking with you. Yeah, we'll see you take soon. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.